Hello, fellow Redbirds. Welcome to Bird Fans Forever, podcast number 33. Please follow us on our at Bird Fans Forever Twitter account to be notified of our latest podcast videos and to participate in our fun polls. Also, go visit our website, www.birdfansforever.com, where you can find a list of our previous podcasts. Finally, visit Bird Fans Forever on YouTube and dunk on that subscribe button. Our YouTube site has our previous podcasts. In addition, YouTube has our archives of classic Redbird games that we've accumulated thanks to so many Redbird fans who've been kind enough to share their video libraries with us. We hope to keep adding to our collection of games, and if you're a fan, chances are you'll find a game on there that you want to lose a couple of hours watching. If you get a chance to go watch one of our classic Redbird basketball games on the Bird Fans Forever YouTube channel, a good game to watch from our archive with our guest is a 1997 NCAA tournament versus Iowa State. Unfortunately, the wrong ISU won that game, but still a good game, tied at 53 with four minutes left in the game. Our guest for today played for our Illinois State Redbirds from 1994 to 1998. He's an all-time assist leader for the Redbirds with 740 assists and second in Missouri Valley Conference history and is on the single-game assist top 10 leaderboard with four games of 14 assists each. We'll be right back with our podcast featuring Jamar Smiley. Bird fans forever with my man Jamar Smiley. Jamar Smiley played at ISU from 1994 through 1998. He is honorable mention all-conference in 96 and got robbed in 98. He's second team all-conference in 95 and 97. He's most improved in 96. He's the all-time leading assist with 740. My man Jamar Smiley, how you doing? What's up, man? How you doing? How you doing, guys? We're doing good. Great. We're good doing great. So, I got uh, I got to really know Jamar. You know, during he'd come back uh, in the late two or in the early two thousands, and we'd run in North Gym. And one of the reasons he loved running with me is because I set screens, and he could shoot a lot since he had so many options. <laughs> he was playing with Skip and Dan and and Leroy and KP and. Kyle, and I'm trying to go down the list without a list. I should have put a list together. Big Rico Hill. So, yeah. Mo Trotter. Yeah. Yeah. Mo Trotter, when he first got there, he Shake could shoot Bauer, the my balls. buddy Skip. Skip, yep. Mr. He can, Hansel. Mr. Hansel. Coop. Everybody yep. forgets about Coop, but anytime Coop, Coop got on the floor, he made a shot. Oh, oh my yeah. God, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Kenny actually said he's one of the best shooters that he had seen. At ISU, that's who is his number one shooter. Who, may be, so, who would be your number who one may shooter? Who be the best shooter I've ever seen, based on the fact that really? the guy could sit on the bench for the entire game, literally, and immediately upon entering, if he was open, he was going to make that shot. And sometimes he was not needed to; he didn't need to be open, and he still was going to make the shot. <laughs> now, that 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 was a special special talent, special talent. Yeah, that is awesome. All right, we're gonna start this off like we always do, Mr. Smiley. How did you get the ISU? I was playing uh, AAU basketball at uh, one of the very first uh, All-American camps in Ypsilanti, Michigan, with a team full of New York guards and New York players, and. Uh, my coach is a guy named Mickey Walker, who's from upstate New York, from Syracuse, New York. Mickey was a great guy. Uh, he used to give us 
phone cards for taking charges. Now, this whoever's watching, whoever's going to watch this, will have very little recollection of phone cards. But that's what you had to do when you when you were away from home if you didn't, you know, you know, have a cell phone, which many, which few of us did. Uh, but Mickey Walker coached myself during camp, but he also coached a young man named King Rice when he was in high school. And so uh, King was one of the coaches in attendance at camp and uh, so forth and so on. And here we are. I'm a freshman at Illinois State. So he is pretty much the reason uh, when you go back down to the basics of it. Who else is recruiting you? Uh, I got recruited by a lot of Northeast schools, um, Rutgers, uh, South Carolina, uh, Georgetown a little bit, but that was pre-Iverson getting his release from the incident that he was involved in and, and being allowed to go to school. Uh, so I had, a, I had a few a few good, you know, high-level yeah. schools. I had some mid-major schools, Long Beach State, uh, Illinois State, so... It was it was a, it was a, it was a decent recruitment for me out of, coming out of high school. Yeah. Good, good. So good. so so what set Illinois State apart versus those other schools? You know what Illinois State was number one. It was it was a great environment. I mean, I, I felt like basketball was the number one thing on campus at that time. Uh, Coach Stallings and King Rice, their pedigree, both of them having you know played and coached big time college basketball, and you know the fact that I was probably going to come in and be able to at least compete for a starting spot, but I could see myself uh, being a starting point guard for a long time and and having a lot of success under the tutelage of those two guys. Um, And then it doesn't hurt when you fly into O'Hare and then you take a private plane down to Bloomington and you kind of fly over Redbird Arena (laughs) and the campus and just me, coach, and pilot. It was kind of cool, so they, they, they tricked me. (laughs) <laughs> were you recruited were any of your uh future teammates on the same trip no i was the only one on the trip uh the week that i the weekend that i was there um trying to think chuck barnes was my host chuck barnes great dude uh we spent uh we spent a couple nights hanging out a little bit and i just and honestly i just felt the vibe bro i, I have you know, growing up in New York, you get to know people pretty fairly well because you always got to kind of have your head on a swivel. And I felt like when I was around those guys, I didn't have to necessarily have my guard up. I felt comfortable. I felt like a place that I could call home and people that I could call friends. And so it just, uh, it was just the place for me at that time. And you're going to laugh. Um, Chuck Barnes is episode 35. We record him ah, next Thursday, a week ah, from today. Okay, okay. So, Keep it in the hammer. Yeah. So, so they didn't have uh, Gibby, who's from New Jersey, host the guy from You know New what? York. Gibby at that time, I'm guessing, was probably trying to find his head because <laughs> that year was rough, man. I, the year that I had as a freshman was rough, so I could only imagine Gibby's first year, especially, you know, he got dropped off by his buddy Harlan, and he didn't even know where he was going when he got in the car in New Jersey, so he just ended up on campus. So I'd imagine that year, that, well, that weekend that I was there, he was probably running around trying to find his head somewhere. Hey, redshirt is a tough thing to do, right? To uh, have to practice and be on the scout team and 
hit the books and lift and do all the things. And, and even on days of the game when everybody else or the day before a game when, you know, you might practice two hours or two and a half hours instead of four. When all the rest of the players are gone, you're still in there doing your one-on-one yeah. work, right? So it's, yeah. No, I yeah. bet it was tough, man. It's, I yeah, bet it was crazy. tough. Coach was trying to, and this, coach yeah. was trying to implement his way and, you know, guys are used to the old way, so I bet it was rough. And to sit there and not be able to play, right, when you believe you can play is, yeah, is hard. Yeah, right? I always so, uh, always is, gave so a lot of props to the walk-ons during the time that I was there. Nick Stotler was one of the walk-ons. Uh, can't remember Tom, Tom. I can't remember Tommy's name, but those guys had a hard job, man. They had to guard me in practice, and then they were never going to play. You know, it was, it was a tough deal, yeah. but they were great teammates. Uh, those guys always bought in. They never complained or, or, or pouted. They were they were, they were were good guys, man. So not easy to sit there every day and go through practice and go through all the conditioning and preseason and, and never play. So it takes a different kind of, different kind of dude. Yep. Amen. All right, so you talked about – Guys, you played with, and so who was in your class? Because you have a big class like I do of eight. Yeah, so. we had eight new players. We had four JUCO guys and then four high school grads. So it was myself, uh, Dan Muller, uh, Leroy Watkins, uh, Kenneth Pearson, Marcus Franklin, Maurice Trotter, Kenny Wright, and I'm missing somebody. Hmm. Yeah, they don't keep the list. Kevin Lunsford. In the, um... Kevin Lunsford. Kevin. Kevin right, Lunsford. Right. Yep. So we had a we had a really talented group. Marcus Franklin had won the junior college national championship, I believe, the year before, or, or at least played in the final four. Wow. I think Kevin Lunsford was first team All JUCO All American. Uh, Kenny Wright played at a big time JUCO at Indian Hills. Um, he had also played one yeah. year at Ball State because he was episode thirteen. Yeah, We've talked yeah. To him. Um, yeah. You know, KP was he was young and, and vibrant and athletic. Uh, I mean, he didn't get to play our freshman year, but he contributed a bunch uh, and during practices with his length and athleticism. And then uh, Leroy had to sit out for some academic, you know, requirements. Prop forty-eight. Prop 48. Yeah. He and I were actually roommates yeah. that year, so he got a, a first-hand view of, of, of life as a as a point guard, because I would always come home and complain to him. <laughs> but uh, we had a really good group of guys, man. Mo Trotter was, was a hell of a player, heck of a scorer. Um, we had a really good group, man. It was it was a great year. It was tough, but it was a great year. All right, so off air we were talking, and your first story out of the gate is the Nightmare at the Evansville. Nightmare at Evansville. Yeah, man. <laughs> we, go to, we go to Evansville on the road. I want to say it's our first conference game, but it's at least our first road game in conference. Uh, and we lose by 20, man. We, we, we get blown out. I think I go for like two for 14, or Van Muller gets thrown on his head in one of the plays. And, uh, <laughs> man, you talk about a beatdown. It it's probably the game that all of us can remember. And speaking of Kevin Lunsford, so I go back home. We all go back home, and we got a day off, and then, you know, a scheduled day off, not a given day off. Back then, you had to have scheduled days off. Um, so we have right. a day off, and then we're going to have practice. And so I guess 
unbeknownst to any of us, in between the, the, the day off the game and the practice, the next practice, Kevin Lunsford quit. And so I'm walking to practice. I'm passing through Waterson Towers. The cafeteria at the time was connected to the building. And so I'm taking a shortcut cause to try to avoid those winds of the towers. And, uh, <laughs> he's walking past me going back towards the dorms. And he's got flip-flops on and he's got like a little baggy with food in and he's looking extremely casual and comfortable. And I go, bro, where are you going? <laughs> and he's like, I'm going back to my room, man. I'm done with this. And I'm like, what do you mean done with this? He goes, I'm out of here. I go, oh my goodness. <laughs> I go, now, now I know practice is going to be hard because he's going to be trying to, he's going to try to make some of some other guys get out of here and quit too. Um, but we get into that practice, man. It was without a shadow of a doubt the hardest practice we had in my four years i mean the hardest one-on-one full court two-on-two full court charge drills uh box out drills dive drills i mean nightmare absolute nightmare (laughs) but it uh like a lot of things that we went through there it brought us closer it made us appreciate one another Uh, it made us you know a little bit a little bit more tough you know, it, 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 it put a little yeah. stink on us to get beat that bad. And, you know, we, we, <laughs> we made amends for it because I don't remember losing two games in a row very often during my four years. You'd have to check me on that. But I don't know right. if that happened maybe maybe once or twice. Jamar, you were the quintessential uh, point guard and, and one of the best that uh, ISU ever had. The game's kind of changed a little bit these days, right? So let's talk about, like, what your mindset was when you were playing and then – Give a little comparison contrast uh, and how you would have fared today. Hmm, yeah, good question. First, my question to you is, can you spell quintessential? No, <laughs> that's why we have Pemberton on here. <laughs> I got you. Yeah, the dyslexic guy's going to be able to. My real name's Jonathan, which was re- reduced to John, and then John again. So quintessential's out of the book. All right. Yeah. Google knows everything these days. <laughs> No, man, uh, you know, the game has changed a bunch. I I joke with my buddies and we joke all the time about how we were born too early because the game, the way it's played now with so much spacing on the floor and guys, you know, pretty much leaving the lane open, um, you know, you, you can't go back in time, obviously, but I felt like when I played that the guy in front of me was pretty much irrelevant because whenever I wanted, I could go by him, but then obviously you had to deal with, the two big guys that were standing in the lane, well, four big guys that were standing in the lane, your two guys, you know, and then the other team's two guys. And so your options, you know, at that time were then to either shoot a floater over a big guy or, you know, kick to the corner or make a little dump pass to, to your big guy in the short corner or, or have him, you know, his man slide over and kind of dish. But the game today with the two guys standing in the corner and the lane being so free, for, uh, for penetration, I, I just feel like, man, I would have had a, either a ton of layups or a ton more assists uh, because, you know, you, once you get mm-hmm. to that basket, everybody's got to collapse and then you got kickouts for threes. And the way we played, it would have been a lot, a lot, a lot of fun. Uh, I'd love to see Skip and Dan be able to just stand out there and, and shoot wide open shots as their guys came in to try to stop penetration. So um, it's a different game. I think. You know, being born and raised in New York, uh, my mentality 
was always just to grind, right? And, and, and try to find a way. Coach Lonnie used to always talk about no matter what happens, you know, getting to the end zone and scoring touchdowns. And that was really my mindset. Like, we got to win. I, I could have five, I could have three, I could have 13 or 11. But bottom line is I got to make sure that we get set, we get, you know, into what it is we're running uh, offensively and defensively. Everybody's communicating. And then at the end of the day, we win games. And uh, That was pretty much the goal. You know, that there's nothing, there was no ulterior motives. We didn't worry about who was leading scorer. I think one year we played, we had four guys in double figures. I hovered right up, right below double figures. Um, but none of us, it was never a conversation in the locker room. Oh, you, you led us in scoring today, or you had this amount of points or that amount of points. We always were concerned about winning. Yeah, I think the more options you have, the, you know, as a team, the, the, the bigger threat, right? You know, if you're coming down the lane and, and you can score, but you can kick it to two other people versus just, you know, one person that, that lead, you know, dominates yeah. the scoring. Yeah. And much bigger the, threat. And one of the things getting to watch Jamar having moved back at that time, your ability at the 13, 14 second mark in the shot clock to get the ball, reset it up, because if you guys were in helter-skelter mode, right, and everything was disjointed, your offense just seemed, you know, you just reset them up and you just start running the offense again. Yeah. And get a good shot. You were just amazing at that. And then they, you know, get them set up and then get, I mean, you just distributed the ball to everybody. Yeah, well, I, I give a lot of credit to Coach Stallings and, and Coach Rice and the guy who played uh, point guard when I was a, a freshman, he was a senior, David Kaysom, for kind of leading the yeah. way and trailblazing uh, the way in terms of, you know, not only keeping us organized, but giving us lots of options. Uh, we had yeah. so many different sets and counters and, and things that we could run for, you know, certain situations. And by the time I got to be probably, uh, probably halfway through my sophomore year, but at least once my junior year started, I felt like it was a video game because you just, you know, oh. you just could play, you know, pick and roll, pick and pop, drive and kick. <laughs> it was so many different sets, man. And it was impossible to, to keep up with all of that stuff if you were an opposing team because most of it looked the same, but it just, it wasn't. The finished product was, right. was a little bit different than the one before. So we uh, so, we got to give a lot of credit. Would you guys call a set and – would you guys call it set, and then depending how the defense is, it, it would. What I would do. Look, look different. What I would do is I would call a set. What Coach Longs would call a set, and then two possessions later, maybe I would call the counter to it, or okay. within transition, I would call the counter to it. And so, after we've run something, and you've we've either scored or we haven't scored, but within you know two plays later, especially if it was. After an off, after a defensive rebound, and we're pushing the basketball. We're running down into the same lanes, pretty much into the in an identical formation. But I know that you think we're getting ready to run what we just ran, and so we call a counter, and we scored so often out of those opportunities and situations. But again, that's credit to Coach Longs, man. Wow. He had a lot of tricks in his bag. He did, but you were able to execute that on the fly with the ball on your hip going full tilt, right? Yeah. And, and to call it and, and, and yeah, because I was able to sit in the stands. I'm like, oh, my God, he's calling, you know, 
we could see you calling it on the court and you, Michael McKenney, Paris Lee, Randy Blair, um, maybe Vince Green, but a lot of point guards don't get that opportunity. The coaches don't give it, right? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, it was, it was definitely a lot of uh, a lot of freedom given. As much as I would have liked to be able to shoot the ball a little bit more during my time, uh, I will never regret the opportunity that he gave me to just kind of run the show. And it was pretty much from day one. Like, we had Chad Altadonna and Brian Kern and David Kaysan were seniors and they were our captains when we first got on campus. But you could tell that coach was kind of grooming myself and grooming Dan uh, to be the leaders. And he gave us a lot of a lot of freedom. He was hard on us, but he also gave us a lot of rope. Now, Dan always tells a story about that first NIT run that you guys were ready to, ready to go home. Oh, man. And, Funny story. And... So we play... I can't even, I couldn't even tell you who we played in the first game, uh, but I know the game we lost when, when I was a freshman. It was Washington State. They had a really good team. Yeah. I think the the guy, uh, the main guy on their team, ended up being a major league baseball pitcher, Hendrickson. I think it was his name, uh, his last yeah, name. Yeah, Ben. Uh, but Calvin Sampson may have been the coach. So they had a really good team, but in a very close game, I think I missed a three to to lose it at the end. And when I get to the locker room, we all get to the locker room. You know, Brian's, you know, hurt. Chad's hurt. David's hurt. We're all hurt because we lost. But I promise you, man, I'm sitting at my locker. And after all the tears, the first thought to my head was, you know what? I've got to do this all over again. <laughs> Preseason conditioning, like Christmas break practices, all that stuff just popped into your head, man. But it was a heck of a heck of a season, and I appreciated those seniors uh, more than they even knew at that time. We we all still kind of stay in touch and connected one way or another to this day. But those guys laid the foundation for what you all saw for those next three years, and, and it didn't yeah. start that way. It, it definitely didn't start out that way. Yeah, because you've got Utah State in overtime, yeah. and then that was Washington State – uh, 83, 80. Yeah. So that would have been your freshman year. But I remember Dan saying that, that they, you mean the season's not over, right? Cause you're a freshman, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. So, yeah. 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 So that, that Washington state game, we were at that game. That was one of the loudest games. And I don't if you remember, uh, Coop makes a shot, I think in the corner and in, in the place, Erupted. It was so loud that game. I told you the dude could come up. The dude could come off the bench, man, in an ice suit and make a shot. <laughs> like he was unbelievable with that. I've never seen anybody do that. I mean, guys in the pros do it all the time, but at the collegiate level, I've never seen a guy who could sit over there all freaking game, man. Cold, hadn't touched. Now, mind you, you know, college basketball games about an hour and a half, and so he hasn't touched the basketball in that amount of time. And get in the game, boom. Boom. Yep. Boom. Uh, off air, we were talking about you never lost to Wichita State. So I'm a little envious, right? And so let's hear it. Time to rub it in. Let's hear yeah, it. Yeah, those guys were very, very competitive. I mean, they, they played hard. They would always come to our building. And uh, the joke was we would, you know, have shoot-around, and they, they would have shoot-around. But on their way from – the weight room to shoot around as if they were going to, 
you know, out tough us. They made it known that they were going to lift prior to having their shoot arounds. And so, uh, <laughs> yeah, they, they gave us, they gave us some runs for our money. We, we beat them in overtime one time in their place. I remember. Um, but yeah, those guys never got the opportunity to get a W against us birds. And that's probably my, my greatest memory of, of any teams that were in the league, man. Cause they gave us some, some tough, really tough competitive games. And there were times where they were up big and, you know, guys start talking smack and, uh, same result, Dave. <laughs> so Jamar, you seem like a pretty confident, uh, person. So, did you talk smack back to them? I might have said a couple things. Maybe. <laughs> you know, maybe. Don't quote me, but I may have said a couple of things every now and then. I just got to say this. I ran with Jamar in the North Gym after we were both done, and I was 10 years older, and I would be one of his top picks, and he ran his mouth the whole time. Yeah, right? You, you, can't, uh, you can't touch me. You can't stop me. It, big pimp, need a screen, give me a screen. Got it. Oh, you got it, right? You got to use so, your yeah. voice. Your voice is another weapon, man. It's like a distraction. It's just a big distraction. It gets you thinking about some other stuff. Did, yeah. did you ever run in practice to your teammates too? You know what? We didn't. We weren't allowed to talk smack unless, like, it was. You know, we had some special circumstances where we we were allowed to discuss. Let's just say, have conversation. <laughs> But it didn't happen very often. No, it didn't happen very often. We had a lot of respect for one another. We competed hard. And, uh, red team always gave the white team a beat down. All right, Big Jamar, right? The whole, and I had to look up to make sure I got it right, the Wisconsin game, second round of the NIT, gets you into the third round, going up to Madison and beating them. So let's talk about that game. Wow, loudest environment that I had ever played in. No offense to our Redbird fans who always showed up for Bradley and Southern at home, but that barn, man, was amazingly loud. Uh, I don't think those guys thought for a second that they were going to take the beat down that they took that day. But uh, <laughs> that place was rocking, man. We, we played extremely well, and uh, I remember there was a nice small section of Redbird fans maybe up to my left behind us, behind our bench. But I, I remember there was just a nice small section of us at the end of the game cheering really, really loud. Um, great environment, though. Uh, we, uh, we stuck it to him. We, we definitely stuck it to him. We get this mid-major team from down, down the road pretty much uh, coming up <laughs> to, to Big Ten country in a game where those guys, you know, I know how it is when we – we're, we're fortunate enough to make the NIT my freshman year. We weren't so excited. So I could imagine that those guys had a, <laughs> a little damper on their spirit until they got into the moment. But by the time they got ready to play, we were already we were already rammed. So great game. Great 77-62. Wow. Yeah. I, didn't, win. I, yeah. I wouldn't have realized that it was that bad. But, yeah. yeah. Major beatdown. Each year you guys progress pretty well, you know, Freshman year, we talked about it. You play two games in NIT. Next year, you get three games, and then the following year, you actually make you make the NCAA, won the MVC tournament, and you go guys play at Iowa State. Let's talk about that game a little bit. Iowa State game, yeah. Well, the progression was was really great during the four years that we were there. Like you said, going to NIT the first year, the second year, and then uh, 
going to tournament the, the next two years. Um, it was in line with what Coach had laid out for us, and, and the expectation from the start of each of those seasons was to improve um, year to year, and we were able to do that. I mean, it came with a lot of, a lot of, a lot of long, hard days, but you know, <laughs> at the end of the day, we we all got uh, out of it what we uh, what we put in, and so it was it was a good good time. But the Iowa State game, man, those guys were raring to go. I think. Uh, Kelvin Cato was their big guy, and he ended up playing maybe 10 yeah. or 12 years in the NBA. And we had him. We had him. We had him in a place where we thought we could beat him, and then he just took over, man. He he was dominant. I mean, he blocked shots. He rebounded. Um, I think I had a good amount of assists that game, but we just couldn't overcome the, the physicality and the athleticism of those guys. Leroy, for as big and strong as he was, and, and, and Gibby, uh, for as, as tall and as aggressive he was, we just couldn't compete with those dudes on the boards. And I think they had a kid, uh, Dedrick Wellaby, if I remember correctly. Willoughby. Yeah, it was a guard. He could yeah. shoot the piss out of the ball, man. <laughs> Goodness, he could shoot it. He didn't need it, but a little bit of daylight, uh, and he could let it fly. But what a great atmosphere. What a great opportunity. Um, our first time being in a tournament uh, in, in, in a long time. Uh, as a school, because I want to say those guys didn't go. In Chad's freshman year, maybe they went, right? That was, that was the last I'm the last. Uh, so there's six NCAA teams, right? Ricky Johnson's got three. Mm. I went in 89-90, and we played Michigan defending national champions in the first round. And then you guys went in 97 right. against Iowa State. And then in 98, you beat Tennessee and then played Arizona. Right, so, right, yeah. right. Yeah, no, so we, uh, man, we had a heck of a time. I, I think for kids who are Amen. playing college basketball today and at any point in time, if, if you don't get a chance to play in an NCAA tournament, man, you have really, really missed the boat because the environment is not like any other environment with the press, with the shoot around the day before. Um, it's, it's just an amazing, amazing atmosphere. So um, we had a great time, man. We had a great time. We lost, but we competed, and it, it springboarded us into the next year because uh, we really worked hard that summer and came into that next year ready to go. You guys had a chance to win that game, though, and I was you guys were ahead in the second half. I mean, sometimes when we talk about people don't realize that, but you go back and watch it. I mean, Skip makes some shots, and, and, and you guys pull ahead, and you're and it was Cato. I, I mean, you, I thought you guys handled uh, Willie pretty well, and he was talented, and, and Cato was he he just imposed himself that day. There's a reason. Yeah, you played 12 years in the NBA. Yeah, he made him. Right. He, yeah. he he made himself some money that day and, and a couple of days after for sure. Because if I remember right, he was on our scouting report as as one of their guys, but he wasn't on our scouting report. Like if if this guy, we we got to stop this guy or this guy is going to make such oh, yeah. a big impact in the game. And he really really dominated. He he cleaned up glass. He blocked shots. I mean, he scored that game as well. And I don't know if he was scoring many points before that day, but I remember seeing him uh, just at a game or, or something years later and just saying, hey, man, you know what? You kicked our butt. <laughs> he barely remembered, but I, I remember every second. Yeah. <laughs> so so okay, once you make it there, I mean, does that, like, fill your fire for the next year? It, it really did. It really did. It, it gave us a sense that, you know, we could compete with the big boys and, getting ready to go into that next season, having won 
uh, the, the league and the conference tournament that year, we knew we were going to have a target on our back, just like those guys had a target on their back when we were playing them. And so it kind of prepared us mentally for what was coming. Um, and that next year was tough, man. We uh, Winning it the second time was definitely harder than winning it the first time because the expectations of having to go and do it again were were heavy, you know, and we – like Coach Long is you say, you're, you're, you're supposed to win. Like, we got the best players. We're supposed to win. And so that attitude was one that we kind of we, – we all took to as well. And we put our best foot forward, and we were able to do it again. Yeah, but you're just – like Steve just asked, you're taking everybody's best shot. Yeah, yeah. We, we, took, right. we, we definitely took everybody's best shot. And uh, you asked earlier how my, my conversations on the court would go sometimes. And so – we really took everybody's best shot because people were gunning for us and me and, and Dan, you know, was you know, the golden boy, so to speak. And so we uh, <laughs> we had a, we had some tough, tough games that year, but we were able to pull it out, man, and, and win it again. I don't I don't know if it was the our junior or senior year, but one of those years we won the league in like February, like second week of February, first week of February. Yeah, yeah. Who did opposing uh, fans like better, you or Dan? Uh, I would say, I probably would say me because he was such like, I mean, he was the golden boy, bro. Like he, he, <laughs> he was like Christian Leitner. I mean, he was a, a small version, Missouri Valley version of Leitner, bro. He just, he did everything right. You know, he's a straight A student. He played all the minutes. Um, I, I probably would say they like me a little bit better than Dan. Okay. <laughs> All right. So you rubbed it into to me about having never lost which uh, state. You also did something. Um, I actually did my senior year, which was the beat Bradley twice. And how good was that? Amazing. And it's funny because I don't remember the game. Like if I watched it, it would be like me watching it for the first time. But I definitely remember us in the locker room prior to the game because we were we were hell-bent on leaving there with a win, and we were able to pull it out. And that bus ride home, it was so satisfying, man. It might have been the first time we ever saw Costalling smile. <laughs> <laughs> and both of those wins were close, right? At Bradley, 57-54. Wow. At home, seventy six seven. Wow! So, yeah, and those those guys always gave us a run for our money, man. It, the, the, was it the war in seventy four, as we used to call it? Yep, yep, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Those guys always gave us a run for their money. They, they were they were tough to compete against, man. They always had really good teams. We played the right way. Coach Mo uh, was always really really ready. Had his guys ready to go, and he's still doing his thing to this day, man. So, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, Really good time. So you, so you guys make it through that senior year, repeating, and, and, and you win the, the tournament again, and you get to go back to the NCAA. But then you had the misfortune. You, you hurt your back. Yeah. It was the day of the game, right? Uh, it was the day before the game. So we're having a, day before we're having a light practice, and Mr. Greenspan, Rick Greenspan, was our AD at the time, and he's, he's at practice. And after the practice is over i'm just you know screwing around playing with the basketball and he and i are actually just playing like a light game of one-on-one -on -one. and uh he rolls me the ball i bend over to pick up the ball and when i bend back up 
I just don't feel right. And I'm like, you know, I'm kind of like you know, moving and trying to like position myself. And so I go, John Munn, to our, I go to our trainer, John Munn at the time, and he, and he goes, well, let's let's try to find a chiropractor, somebody who can give you an adjustment. And so we go see this guy, and you know, he does his thing with his fingers and gives me a little tweak, and I feel good. And then I get up that next morning. I'm, I'm feeling, you know, normal. I get in the layup line, and I remember taking my first layup in warm-ups, and I go, oh, man, it happened again. It, it slipped. Whatever happened yesterday happened again, but this time the pain was so intense. It was like un completely unbearable. And I'm sure that there were people, and I'm, I'm sure that, you know, even some of my teammates who know me to be, you know, extremely tough-minded were, were, were concerned um, because it was, it was just one of those things. I couldn't do anything. I, I, I've had that episode, you know, once a year now, 25 years later, and still to this day when it happens, there's absolutely nothing I can do for the next couple of days. It, it settles down and all the muscles back there relax and I'm back to normal, but it was just terrible time. And so I got an opportunity. Was that the first time, first time it ever happened? Was uh, yeah. It was the first time it had ever happened. It was the first time it had ever happened. Um, I had, you know, had nicks and bangs here and there throughout my career. Uh, my medical file was extremely thick with, you know, broken <laughs> fingers, toes, and all types of weird stuff, but nothing to ever keep me out of a game. Uh, but that was just just terrible timing, and it was just one of those things. There was absolutely nothing I could do. Yeah. Yeah. And we watched that game on TV, and there's this image that's, I told you, this just, it's ingrained in my head, you know, the, the TV cutting, and, and you're not even on the bench. You're, you're like on the ground, laying on the ground. Yeah, that was the most, you could tell you, that was the most comfortable position that I could find. Still to this day, like I said, when that happens, that's the most comfortable position I could find, like completely off my feet, on my stomach, just relaxing. But man, what a heck of a time to miss. Uh, worst time possible. Just, just right. The worst time possible. Those guys gave a heck of a fight um, in the Tennessee game for sure. And, and then, you know, halfway through the Arizona game, we're tied. I think going into halftime or up, down two or something like that. And then the second half, the floodgates open. They, they just didn't have enough to sustain. And, you know, Steve Hansel did a great job as, as replacing me at the point. And, but Steve wasn't a natural point guard. He was a wing yeah. player for the most part. And, they just wore them down, man. And to those guys' credit, geez, they had Mike Bibby, Miles Simon, like it's probably three or four NBA dudes on that team. But I would love to have the opportunity to go back, which we obviously can't, and, and see what it would have been like if I had been able to play in those games. Well, the other thing, too, is reset this. I mean, Skip broke his leg. Yeah. Right? Yeah, no so Skip. The, the, yeah. So, so we go in the Tennessee game. We're already out Skip. You get hurt. And, and those guys played, you know, Kyle and, and, and Steve, basically the, the whole game. Yeah, I mean, they played their tails off. The rotation was cut down, too. Yeah, and, and to sit there and be essentially tied with them right at halftime, Arizona, that's amazing. Yeah, no, those guys played their tails off. Kyle played big, man. He stepped up big. Uh, you know, February, March is that time of the year where typically you're going to have some magical things happen. And we almost pulled it off, and I, I – if I remember right, 
I started feeling like myself again maybe by Wednesday of that week. So if we're able to pull that game out, I play in that next game for sure. And who knows what the heck happens. But All right. I do got to call you out on this one. I got to hear the rumor or the story behind the nickname, Buck Smalls. Buck Smalls. So that comes from our guy, Mr. Chad Altadonna. Uh, When I first got to campus – you know, I I was pretty rough around the edges, man, and and I was I was not with a whole lot of things that were going on, and so it originally was Young Buck because I would just try to buck everything that was like everything. <laughs> we got to do this. No, why we got to do it that way? Oh, uh, because he says we got to do it this way. Well, why are we doing that? Oh, <laughs> uh, because this. And so I originally went Young Buck, and then that was the time of. Of, of music when the notorious B.I.G. was very prevalent. And so that ended up being Chad's favorite r- rapper. And so Young Buck went to Buck Smalls, a.k.a. <laughs> Biggie Smalls. So that, that, that comes from Chad, my good buddy, who, quite honestly, in the beginning, Young Buck despised because <laughs> Chad, was, Chad was trying to win. He was a senior. You know, he was trying to have his year go. Uh, the way he wanted it to go. And, and all of us new guys, you know, eight of us, were, were going in eight different directions for the most part. So yep. um, it's kind of ironic that the guy who, who I bucked heads with a lot ended up being one of my best friends still to this day, man. That is awesome. Yeah. That is awesome. I love it. All right. Jamar, thank you for being on. So here's where we turn it over to you to close. Closing thoughts. Hey, well, thank you guys, man, for having me, Pimp. Thanks for reaching out, man. I, I appreciate um, the gesture. It's been a great time rehashing some of the things uh, from back in those days. My time at Illinois State was was very memorable for me and, and will always be cherished. Uh, I met some great people. I made some great relationships. And it's always a place that I, I love to go back to whenever I get a chance. So you guys keep up the good work with the podcast, man. It's, it's always good to see all the other guys and, what they're looking like and sounding like and, and making sure that they're all right, man, living good lives. Yeah, they're, they're getting a lot of gray hair. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> hey, man, as always, you know, honor getting to watch you play, right? So proud. Love run with you in the North Gym. It was, you know, getting to run with guys who have played is just a, it's a special thing and getting to hear all the stories. And that, that's really why we started this podcast was, for those stories that I've been blessed to hear and sitting, getting our shoes on or getting our shoes off. I mean, we take our shoes off. It takes us 45 minutes because somebody would be up in his socks telling some story and we all laughing. And so, um, and, you know, awesome. Mr. All time leading assist, Jamar Smiley. Love you. This is episode 33 with Jamar Smiley. And this is bird fans forever. John, take us out. Ah! <laughs>